Today's podcast is brought to you by newspapers.com, the ultimate destination for exploring the mysteries of the past. If you're fascinated by true crime, get ready to dive into the stories that made headlines. Newspapers.com offers a billion pages of historical newspapers from the U.S. and beyond, and you can search the entire collection in seconds. Their vast newspaper collection is a goldmine for eyewitness accounts, crime scene photos, news reports, and more. Whether you're interested in famous crimes or long-forgotten cases, Newspapers.com gives you a front-row seat to more than 300 years of history. For our listeners, Newspapers.com has a special offer. Use the code CUPOFMURDER for an exclusive 20% discount on your subscription. That's promo code CUPOFMURDER at Newspapers.com. Sign up today and start unraveling the true crime mysteries that keep you up at night. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. There were two more murders 15 miles well, away. Arrived, the they found the telephone and electricity line. Weird described by one investigator as reminiscent of a weird religion. Good morning. Murder. Having a baby out of wedlock in the late 1800s was a shameful sin. It was so looked down upon that a strange and frankly dangerous new profession blossomed from the stigma. Baby farming. And on August 15, 1893, one of the most infamous baby farmers was hanged after he took his new profession to a dark and twisted level. So, if you like your coffee hot but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. John Macon and Sarah Macon, both born in 1845, married on August 27, 1871, and together had five sons and five daughters while living in Australia. But after John suffered from an injury that prevented him from working as a drayman, the couple realized that they needed to make decent money and quickly. So they decided to join the shady business of baby farming. Baby farming was a practice born out of the stigma of having a child outside of marriage. Young women who felt their newborn would not just ruin their reputation, but also had no money to keep them, gave their infants to baby farmers who were tasked with either finding a home for the baby or keeping them until the mother was ready to recollect at a later time. To do this, the Makins answered ads looking for carers, negotiated a price with unwed parents or a single mother, and began receiving monthly payments in exchange for taking the baby home with them. They made promises to mothers that they could visit their baby whenever they wanted, pending they keep paying, of course, and could even keep visiting them once the baby was placed with a loving and wealthy childless couple. If the Makins were being truthful, their business would have actually been doing a wonderful service to the community. In actuality, these children did not make it to childless couples, and their mothers would never see them again. When parents tried setting up meetings, the Bacons either came up with excuses, or in some cases, simply picked up and relocated entirely, only resurfacing when it was time to collect their paychecks. In 20 years, the family moved 15 times to various locations all over Australia. 
Inside of the Macon home, there were as many as six babies in the house at any given time, each earning the couple about 10 shillings per week. In 1892, 18-year-old Amber Murray placed an ad in the Sydney Morning Herald in search of a mother to adopt her baby boy, Horace. It was, of course, answered by John Macon, using the alias Jay Hill, who offered to take the boy, for a cost, and give him to his wife. He claimed she had just lost a baby and that Horace would be perfect to soothe her broken heart. Amber paid the man three pounds with the belief that she was sending her son to a better life with a kind and caring mother who needed her baby more than she did. Horace was picked up by Blanche Macon, one of their children, and Amber began making her monthly payments to the Hills. After some time, she asked Mr. Hill if she could come see her son. He responded with an excuse. She asked again and received more excuses. Finally fed up, Amber went to the address Mr. Hill provided and found that not only was her son gone, but so was the entire family. They had simply upped and moved to McDonaldton, New South Wales. It wasn't until October 7, 1892, that the Macon's crimes would finally catch up to them. Because that is the day that worker James Hanoni attempted to clear out a clogged underground drain, he found that the source of the clog was the body of two infants. When police looked at their records, the last family to live at this house was one Mr. and Mrs. Macon, who had already upped and moved to another location. Once they were tracked down, John and Sarah, along with four of their daughters, were arrested. The girls were made to testify while police began digging up the backyards of the 11 homes that the Macons occupied since 1890. They found the bodies of 12 infants, though some sources say 13. 12 to 13 infants that the Macons were still accepting payments for. Among them was the body of three-month-old Horace Murray. The couple seemed to find it easier to just kill the babies rather than take care of them. In March of 1893, John and Sarah Macon were brought to trial. There to testify were not just their own children, but Amber Murray and another couple that stated the Macons were supposed to care for their child temporarily, but the baby died just a few days after being sent away. The Macons were then paid for the funeral and skipped town without attending. Both John and Sarah were sentenced to death by hanging by the Supreme Court of New South Wales for the murder of Horace Murray, though the jury recommended Sarah be spared the death penalty. John filed two appeals, both of which were denied, and was hanged on August 15, 1893. Sarah, on the other hand, had her sentence commuted to life and, after her daughter's campaign for her release, was paroled in 1911 after serving 19 years in prison. She was able to live out the rest of her days a free woman and died on September 13, 1918. As the Macon's crimes came to light, so did the issues of baby farming in Australia. Their story led to the Children's Protection Act of 1892, which brought orphans into the state's control, not just that of citizens looking to make some extra money. Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again tomorrow to hear what terrible thing happened on August 16th. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know how you like it. If you want to help support the podcast, there's always Patreon or just sharing it with your true crime obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe. Thank you for listening to Morning Cup of Murder. This is a daily podcast that tells you what happened on this day in true crime history. In short, 
easy to listen to episodes that you can finish on your commute or while you enjoy your morning coffee. So make sure you check back every morning. My name is Karina. I am the creator and host. You can find Morning Cup of Murder on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. I have also set up a Patreon where you can donate a small monthly contribution to the podcast. All those links are in the episode description. Thank you again and have a wonderful day.